Normally, during Advent, these four weeks before Christmas, we avoid singing Christmas carols and worship. Instead, we sing about waiting and hoping and longing for Christ, which this year I'm comparing to the worship equivalent of rubbing your belly and going, come on, baby. But no matter how impatient we get, sometimes we still have to wait. Today, though, I thought I would make an exception to the no Christmas carols before Christmas rule. Don't tell Nicole. These have just slight modifications to make them appropriate for today. They were modified by Lutheran theologian Chad Bird. Hark the herald angels sing, a dragon waits to eat our king. And then there's this one. Silent night, violent night, hell and have need to fight. And I really hope that fighting dragons were part of the holy night that you're expecting. Because the Christmas story, especially the way we read it today, is beyond ready for an HBO adaptation. Advent warns us, winter is coming. The Christmas that is coming will involve dragons and violence and narrow escapes and constant danger. There is something much deeper and supernatural underneath the red cups and gold tinsel and ugly sweater parties and Christmas television specials. And it's easy, Jesus warns us in the gospel lesson, to have our senses dulled by drinking, partying, and shopping. That's from the message paraphrase. In that paraphrase, Jesus insists, Stop worrying about drinking, partying, and shopping when the world's about to end. Instead, Jesus urges us to keep alert, to keep looking and asking, what's underneath? What is going on beneath the surface? So underneath the story of St. Nicholas and the presents we give and the gifts we receive and the trees and the shopping and the food— What's the significance or the meaning of all that's around us? We could say something trite like the spirit of giving or family or loving your fellow man or God bless us, everyone. Now, those are the types of answers given by people who are scared of dragons. Falling back on Christmas, being about family and friends and caring for the needy, is a trick that domesticates God and God's story. They're not biblical. But I think maybe these trite phrases about the true meaning of Christmas point to the longing that we have for meaning beyond the superficial. And it's easy to condemn consumerism and celebrate merriness. Even the Grinch concludes that maybe Christmas doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas perhaps means a little bit more. But Dr. Seuss stops before defining what a little bit more might be. 
The book ends with all the who's down in Whoville singing and being merry. For what? No one says. Just Christmas. But their merriness in the midst of poverty inspires the Grinch to return all of their stolen toys and food and carve the roast beast. And over the next few weeks, we will be inundated with messages like this about the true meaning of Christmas. Very few of those messages will involve dragons or crises of cosmic proportions. Instead, most of these messages will try to get us to stop focusing on getting and instead focus on giving. Fine. I guess there's nothing wrong with that. Although, have you ever noticed that the TV specials that want us to focus on giving are supported by advertisements that tell us that every kiss begins with K? It works out for our economy to focus on giving instead of getting, because then our purchases have this veneer of spirituality and loving kindness. Now, it doesn't get much better in the nonprofit sector. Perhaps you've noticed how charities and churches always remind you to give while telling you how much we need your gifts. I mean, the open door pantry just doesn't pay for itself, people. But it's a stretch to say that Christmas is about giving, or family, or love, or peace, or even joy. That's a first-level response that leaves Jesus completely out of it. So perhaps it's marginally better to say, keep Christ in Christmas, than it is to default to the meaning of Christmas is the spirit of giving. Because when we keep the focus on the infant Jesus, we can talk about a little babe lying in a manger, surrounded by farm workers, escaping a war zone as a refugee family. And pulling from this story, from Luke and Matthew, maybe the meaning of Christmas is humility and choosing poverty and welcoming the stranger and caring for children and listening to women and supporting non-traditional families and protecting people from genocide. Maybe the message of Christmas in 2018 is don't tear gas children. But does God really need to come to earth to teach us these things? Aren't those things maybe something we could figure out just through common sense and human decency? Because there are millions of poor babies born into perilous conditions. There are millions of refugee families trying to escape to better lives. Jesus and Mary and Joseph are just one more. The ordinariness of Jesus' birth is indeed part of the miracle. But as Christians, we see the miracle when we contrast the ordinariness with the extraordinary cosmic reality that is at the same time true. I want you to note that none of the surface level meanings are bad in and of themselves. Just that God invites us to something so much deeper. There is always more to the story. 
So I invite you to turn to the cover of the bulletin. This image by Jan Richardson is of the woman in Revelation chapter 12, the nativity story we don't always talk about. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pangs in the agony of giving birth. And as she labored, a red dragon waited. His tail swept down a third of the stars in heaven and threw them to the earth. And he stood before the woman, crouching, the teeth of seven heads snapping, ready to devour her child as soon as it was born. As Mary, the human Mary, staggered toward Bethlehem, all of creation held its breath. Percy McKay captures this in his World War I poem, Christmas 1915. Now is the midnight of the nations, dark even as death, beside her blood-dark seas. Earth, like a mother in birth, agonies, screams in her travail, and the planets hark her million-throated terror. Naked, stark. Her torso writhes enormous, and her knees shudder against the shadowed Pleiades, wrenching the night's imponderable arc. Christ, what shall be delivered to the morn out of these pangs, if indeed another morn shall succeed this night, or this vast mother survive to know the blood-spent offspring, torn from her racked flesh? What splendor from the smother? What new-winged world or mangled God stillborn? The description is not just Christmas 1915, but Christmas 2018, and the first Christmas, and every Christmas where longing and suffering seem unbearable. This is what is at stake. St. Paul tells us that the whole of creation groans in labor pains, longing for what is to come, hoping against hope for the freedom of the glory of God's children, for the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed. And this cosmic meaning of Christmas transcends and transforms the story of Christmas that we tell ourselves through movies and songs and rhyming children's books. What we long for is more than anything that gifts or parties or family traditions or going home for Christmas or even altruism can give to us. There is meaning yet. We just need to look for the dragons hidden among our play sets and nativities. We can name the dragons and yet risk the birth. Because God rescued the baby. And God is rescuing us. 
The child in Revelation 12 was snatched away at birth, but not by the dragon that waited to devour. The child instead was taken to God's throne where the angels defended him. They defeated the dragon and his heavenly allies, and the dragon and his allies were thrown to earth. And the woman, clothed with the sun, was given wings. She flew away from the dragon and into the wilderness. There she was nourished, in a place where, on the surface, nothing can nourish. It's the wilderness. In a place of desperation, though, she was restored. And when the dragon spewed water at her, trying to sweep her away with a flood, the earth itself came to her help. This earth that is longing for redemption and renewal, this earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured, and the very earth came to the help of the woman clothed with the sun. And so today, even though dragons continue to terrorize the world, and refugees remain waiting at the border, and poverty seems unending, and everyone wants to tell us what the meaning of Christmas is just so they can get our feel-good dollars. And even though there is no telling precisely what the future will be, we know that the future is already settled. The dragon is not ultimately victorious. The worst thing is never the last thing. The spirit of giving is giving life, giving nourishment, giving release from bondage, and giving hope. And there's always something deeper, something truer, something eternal and divine, coming in contact with our everyday, ordinary world. Amen.